Hello, everyone. It's actually Halloween when I'm recording this, and I hope that all of you have enjoyed the Halloween episode that I posted last week. If not, it's still there, and it still will scare the living daylights out of you. I have very happy news today. I'm thrilled to welcome a new Patreon supporter. That's Ken. Welcome, Ken. And I'm so glad you've been enjoying the episodes and felt inspired to support the podcast financially. If you want to support the podcast as well, please go to patreon.com slash countermelody, and you can make a monthly or a yearly contribution. When Season 5 rolls out, I'm probably going to be restructuring the Patreon tiers, so just a little heads up on that. I should mention that I am posting a bonus episode this week. It's more music of Respighi, and it's more recordings by Renata Scotto. I'm going to feature her singing songs of Ottorino Respighi, including the extended song for voice and string quartet based on a text by Shelley called Il Tramonto. So that's what will be on the bonus episode this week. But now, not just for Ken, but for everyone who loves French music, I have a real treat in store for you today. Welcome to Counter Melody, the podcast on great singers and great singing. Each week, you will encounter me, Daniel Gundlach, as your host, guiding you along a magical route that will bring us closer to the voices of those singers that most enchant and transform us, no matter what else is going on in the world. Thank you for joining me on that path. This week's episode. My friends, I bring you Robert Massard. Salome Oh, man. 
Have you ever heard a more beautiful voice than that? I'm hard-pressed to think of one, actually. I think this is one of the most stupendous baritone voices of the last century, and I'm not alone in that assessment. On the 15th of August, Massard turned 98 years old. That was the aria Zalomé demande au prisonnier from Jules Massenet's opera Hérodiade, and that was a 1961 recording. Massard recorded this particular aria on numerous occasions, and there is also at least one live complete recording. And remember that this opera also has the baritone showstopper, Vision Fugitive, which he sings just as well. But that particular recording is from the year 1961, with the orchestra conducted by Jésus Echeverry, and we'll be hearing him at the podium several times in the course of this episode. In commemoration of some of his more recent birthdays, Robert Massard has been interviewed. The interviews have been done on video, audio, and also transcribed into articles. And I've drawn on all of those in putting the episode together today. Maybe you've heard of Robert Massard, maybe you haven't. But as of today, he is now going to be at the top of your list of favorite baritones. I can practically guarantee it. I've been planning to do this episode for quite some time, really since I started the podcast, so I'm super, super excited about it. Being a French baritone and having both the highs and the lows required for these parts, I'm talking about Intessitura. Massard was frequently, and I mean frequently, cast as both Escamillo and as Valentin in Faust. So, as a little preview of next week's upcoming episode, let's just listen to Massard and Shirley Verrett, surely one of the choice Carmens of the last 50 to 70 years, performing the very brief duet for Escamillo and Carmen at the beginning of the last act of the opera, Si tu m'aimes, Carmen. And this is a live recording from the Rai, Italian radio, in Rome, on the 14th of December, 1967. And Georges Prêtre is the conductor. Probably Robert Massard's most famous recording is, again, As Escamillo, 
And again, with Prater conducting. That was in the year 1964, and most of the hullabaloo surrounding that was in the incandescent performance of the title role. Yes. Kalas is Carmen. Massar also rubbed shoulders with another of the greatest divas of the 20th century when he recorded the role of Valentin in Faust opposite Joan Sutherland. Now, I have sort of an allergy to Avant de quitter ces lieux, so no matter how brilliantly Massard sings it, and I really don't think anyone sings it better, I'm going to offer you a different Gounod aria, and this is one that is equally catchy from Gounod's Provençal opera Mireille, based on a narrative poem by Frédéric Mistral. We're going to hear the couplet of the bull tamer Urias, who is the heavy in this opera and is responsible for some very serious things going wrong for the heroine Mireille and her lower class boyfriend Vincent. There are two different versions of this opera. In one of them, Mireille dies after dragging herself across the desert and in the other, she recovers to be reunited with her lover. As punishment for having seriously wounded Vincent, the evil Urias is dragged down into the river Rhone by a ghostly ferryman. This is from a complete recording of Mireille from the year 1962, which features, again, Jésus Echeverry conducting, and the soprano René Doria, a favorite of mine, she has that quintessential, super bright timbre, but with immense flexibility and real charm, as you will hear in her response to Urias trying to come on to her. Urias! Où fais-je peur, la belle? Ou bien, sans le savoir, aurais-je mérité de vous quelques reproches? Encore, j'ai plaisir à vous voir. Et moi, de vous charmer, que n'ai-je le Pour 
veut te plaire, ton père m'a choisi, croyant sagement faire, et je veux votre démon et votre me semble au galant dicté par l'amour même. Mais croyez-moi, pour qu'on vous aime, Massar was born in the year 1925 in a city in the southwest of France called Pau that is set along the edge of the Pyrenees. It is there that he currently lives in retirement. When young Robert was 14 years old, the war broke out and his father lost his job. And because the family was in such dire straits, he had to leave school and choose a profession, which he did. He chose to be a mechanic, and for four years he worked in a garage, singing for his own pleasure. In 1945, he had the chance to sing for the tenor Léon Marcel, who told him that he had talent, but that he needed to learn music theory. Robert attempted to do this, but it didn't go so well. He found it a little difficult to process, and he gave up. But once again, in 1949, he took part in a singing competition, which he won. And again, Léon Marcel came to the rescue and set him up with an appointment with the bass baritone Vanni Marcoux, who suggested that he work with Mart Nespoulos. But he didn't have any money, so he couldn't do it. Once again, however, in 51, he took part in another local singing competition, and again, won. His prize was that he sang at a hotel banquet. And the guy who ran the casino and was the conductor offered to help him and said he was going to set him up with his friend Georges Hirsch, who was a bigwig at the Paris Opera. So when he did his audition in June 1951, two of the other auditioners that day were Nicolai Guedda and Victoria de Los Angeles. Hirsch was very enthusiastic and offered the young baritone a contract. But his successor came in less than a month later and took a severe dislike to Massard and kind of had it in for him. But by a wonderful series of circumstances, he went to Aix-en-Provence to audition for a production of Iphigenie en Tauride. It was this very production in which Patricia Newway was singing the title role and Carlo Maria Giulini was conducting. A live recording was pieced together from recordings made during the run. And we have, as a result, the very first recordings of Robert Massard. He barely sounds like the singer that we've heard in a few of the excerpts already. It's a very, very bright sound. It sounds almost tenorial, although, in fact, the role that he's singing, Toas, is actually a bass role. We hear him in restative dialogue with the Iphigenie of Patricia Newway in this very brief excerpt. Dieu, le 
of the new intendant's dislike for Massard. From the beginning, the Paris Opera was the center of his artistic activity. Over the course of 26 years of singing there, he performed exactly 1,003 times. As he pointed out in an interview, that's the exact number of Don Giovanni's conquests as cataloged by Leporello. A similar number of performances in the provinces and also abroad added significantly to his renown and acclaim. He sang all the big baritone parts in Verdi, in Bel Canto, in French opera, and he even dipped his toe into Wagner, although I was unable to find any recordings of him singing that composer. But let's just do a sample of another genre in which Massard was supreme, French operetta. And we're going to hear an excerpt from one of his earlier recordings made in the year 1955 of an operetta by André Messager called Passionnement. The work derives its title from a waltz in the second act, and it's precisely that waltz that we're going to hear right now. The conductor is Robert Benedetti, and the soprano who sings briefly is unidentified. Passionnément, à ah, dit, petite Marguerite, sans 
Massar also was celebrated in Italian repertoire. He sang Puritani, he sang Enrico, or Henri, in Lucia di Lammermoor. He sang Gerard in Andrea Chenier. He sang both baritone parts in Pagliacci. He sang all of Puccini's baritone heroes except for Scarpia, which he felt was not right for him. He was a celebrated Figaro in Barbara of Seville, and also sang roles in Le Contori and Moïse et Pharaon. And of course, in Verdi, he sang most of the big baritone parts. Rodrigue, Ford, Macbeth, Iago, Germain, Renato, and the title role in Rigoletto, which was a particular success for him. And I'll just say that on the bonus episode the week after this coming one, I'm going to feature Massar singing Verdi in and out of Italian, if you will. But for now, let's listen to just a couple of his Italian roles. First, a recording of a brief excerpt from the duet between Enrico and Lucia, or Henri and Lucie, from the second act of Lucia di Lammermoor, or Lucie de Lammermoor, in which we hear Massard opposite a very young Maddie Mesplay, whom I featured in her own episode, I can't remember if it was a year ago or two years ago, but anyway... She is a favorite of mine, and it's wonderful to hear the two of them together. This studio recording is from 1960. <laughs> sample Massar in Verdi. This is the first aria of Renato from Un Ballo in Maschera, and it is sung in Italian. This was a recital album from the year 1961, in which the orchestra is led by Reynald Giovanninetti. I want to say just a word about, I want to just say a word about the Massar voice. 
it is balanced on the bright side, which is unusual for a baritone. In fact, some of his early teachers tried to make him over into a tenor, but he stuck to his guns, as he did over the course of his long career, and kept with the repertoire that he knew suited him best. There's a slight nasal ping to the sound, but it's also very grounded, and especially as he grew older, capable of darker shades of chiaroscuro as well. He also has enormous flexibility and those high notes that could go on for days, and he had those up until the end of his singing career. Finally, of course, one has to note that, once again, this is one of the most beautiful vocal timbres that I've ever encountered in any opera singer. Yes, I'm in love with this voice, and I really hope that uh, you are too. The other thing that I love about his artistry is his most incredibly elegant phrasing. And you will hear that in this aria, Alla vita che t'arride, when he moves back into the main theme and carries over so elegantly on the breath. It's just a joy to listen to. Alla vita che t'arride Di speranze e dubbio piena D'altre mille, mille vite Il destino si impatena Te perduto, te perduto per la patria Te perduto per la patria Col suo splendido
Did I mention that another of Massard's Italian roles was Alfio in Cavalleria Rusticana? There's a French version of this, and in fact, the guy who did the French version is Paul Millier, who was a co-author of the libretto of Massenet's Herodiade. That's just a little bit of full circle action for you guys that like that sort of thing. In 1965, Massard recorded an abridged version of Cavalleria with some distinguished colleagues, including the Monaco-born French tenor Alain Vanzo, who I don't think we're hearing today, but we will hear him in excerpts from Rigoletto in the bonus episode in two weeks. We are, however, going to hear the duet between Alfio and Santuzza after she has just told the rough-and-tumble Carter that his wife has been carrying on with her former boyfriend. The role of Santuzza is sung here by the French Falcon Suzanne Sarroca, who I thought was still with us, but it turns out that she just died about six weeks ago at the age of 96. She was one of the best French singers in the 1960s. It's not the most refined sound, but she has a real integrity, and she's a wonderful Santuzza, opposite Massard, who even in his rage is the most elegant Sicilian muleteer that one could ever encounter. This recording is also conducted by Giovanni Netti. Santuzza, je vous I just simply have to play two more operetta excerpts for you. I love French operetta in small doses, an aria here and an aria there. We're going to hear an aria composed by Robert Planquette, who lived from 1848 to 1903, therefore about 30 years younger than Jacques Offenbach, one of the pioneers alongside several less well-known names today of the entire operetta genre. 
Blanquette wrote a number of works that were very famous in their day, including Les Clashes de Cornville, which was known in English-speaking countries as the Chimes of Normandy. And four years later, he also wrote a piece that was premiered in London called Rip Van Winkle, which was originally set in English, but if it has any life today, it's in the French-language version. And I wouldn't really say that anybody is performing rip these days. But in 1959, Massard made a 45 that contained four short arias from the piece. And we're going to hear the one from the last act, O Jeunesse. a number from a contemporary of Planquette's named Louis Varnet. He was actually born in New Orleans in 1844 because his father, also a musician, was working at the opera there and died in France in 1908. He wrote a number of operettas, of which only one is remembered today, called Les Mousquetaires au Couvent, The Musketeers in the Convent which was first performed in 1880 at the Théâtre des Bouffes Parisiens. It's very, very rarely revived these days, but in 2015, the Opéra Comique in Paris presented a new production of the work. I'm not even going to go into the plot, but let's just say that this delightful aria that we're going to hear, recorded by Massard in the year 1960, is a drunk aria. Now, this is very different than La Pericole's drunk aria, in which she's just so plastered she can't even stand up. In this drunk aria, called A quel déjeuner j'ai fait, the Vicomte Narcisse de Brissac tells us about the wonderful meal that he has had and all of the delicious wine that he has drunk. The orchestra is conducted by Jean Laforge, who for many years was associated with the Paris Opera. De la chair qu'on m'a donnée, voici le menu merveilleux. C'est un fruit de saumonée avec un marsal à très vieux, très vieux. Puis un jambon de Mayence, escorté de quatre perdrix. 
que je bâtis en conscience d'un fin Bordeaux du plus haut prix, d'un fin Bordeaux du plus haut prix. Après le chapon de la Bresse, et pour finir, ben le homard, je les arrose avec largesse de Chambertin et de Pomard. Je les arrose avec largesse de Chambertin et de Pomard. Car j'ai vu, troupes respectables, j'ai vu dans leur flacon autriche, vu des filets sur ma table, les meilleurs vins, les meilleurs cris. Et les belles Espagne, jusqu'à bord de ma champagne. Now we're going to sample a little bit of the French repertoire that Massard sang. He's credited these days with having been an important figure in revivals of the operas of both Gluck and Berlioz in the 50s and 60s. We already heard him in the bass role of Toas in his first professional performance at Aix-en-Provence. But the role that he sang in Iphigenie en Tauride more frequently was that of Orestes. I have to say that in these operas that feature the children of Agamemnon, the siblings aren't very good at recognizing each other. That's true of Electra, and it's also true of this opera. In this case, Iphigenie and Oreste are both on the island of Tauride. She is a priestess, and he has been shipwrecked there with his good friend, I would say, his lover, Pilade. And because of a promise that Iphigenie has made, one of these two shipwrecked men has to be sacrificed. And each of them is all too willing to give his life so that his beloved friend can live. We're hearing a bit of a compressed excerpt from the third act in which it all comes to a head, and Pilade and Oreste have to decide which one is going to give up his life so that the other can live. Iphigenie is struck by Oreste's strange resemblance to her own brother, but in spite of that, Oreste manages to convince Iphigenie to allow him to be the sacrificial victim. So what we're going to hear is a string of arias and recits, and I think I left the duet out, but between these three characters. I have to apologize for the quality of the sound, but this is an unbelievable powerhouse trio. As Iphigenie, we hear the Belgian mezzo-soprano Rita Gore. As Pilade, we hear the French-Canadian tenor André Turpe. 
and, as Oreste, of course, Robert Massard. This is a performance that took place at the Edinburgh Festival, presented by the Royal Opera House, Covent Garden. Georg Scholte is the conductor. As I said, the sound isn't great, but the singing will set you on your ear.
Massar sang a lot at Covent Garden, including numerous performances of Berlioz's Benvenuto Cellini. We're going to hear him, however, now in the role of Choreb, the fiancé of Cassandre in the first portion of Berlioz's epic, Les Troyens, La Prise de Troyes. This is a recording, again, with Prêtre conducting the forces of the Rai in Rome. It featured as Cassandre, Marilyn Horn. I'm not sure this is a role that she sang all that frequently, but I have to say, it suits her very well. Now, I am not the world's biggest Marilyn Horn fan, but when I hear her do something well, I'm certainly going to acknowledge it, and she is out of this world here. Choreb is trying to calm and comfort his fiancée, who has been seized with these horrible presentiments, of course, of what's going to happen to Troy. In this moment, she begs him to leave before evening falls, which he patently refuses to do. This excerpt gives us an opportunity to hear what a mad genius Berlioz was. Yeah. <laughs> 
from full-fledged tragedy to light-hearted sex farce. Is there a more charming and insinuating opera than Ravel's one-act Le Respagnol? I haven't encountered one. And this performance that we're going to hear two brief excerpts from is one of the very best I've ever heard. It comes from the Teatro Colón in Buenos Aires, in the summer of 1964. And what a cast. Oh my God. Denise Duval as Concepcion, Robert Massard as the muleteer, Ramiro, George Shirley as the poet would-be lover, Gonsalve, and Nino Falzetti as Torquemada, the clockmaker. We're going to hear them all in this very brief excerpt, first from the top of the opera, where Ramiro comes in and says that his watch is kaput and it must be repaired immediately because it's essential to his work. Then we have the first encounter of Torquemada's wife, Concepcion, with the hunky Ramiro, where he, too shy to speak, wishes that he were bolder, and she, quite attracted to him, wishes to herself exactly the same thing. At the very end of the scene, we hear George Shirley off stage singing his opening roulade. Georges Sébastien is the conductor. Senor Torquemada, horloge de Torède. Torquemada, c'est moi, monsieur. Ma montre, à chaque instant, s'arrête. Voilà qui va venir, voilà qui va venir. Or, je suis à votre service, muletier du gouvernement. Connaître l'heure exactement, en conséquence, est mon office. Car chaque jour, à heure fixe, mes mulets doivent sur le roue emporter les colis postaux. Oh, my God. 
Now we're going to dig a little deeper into some rarely heard French repertoire. First of all, Gabriel Fauré's opera Penelope. The work is criticized for not being terribly stage-worthy or dramatically engaged, but when you have a cast and conductor like this, there's really not that much to complain about, believe me. In the title role, we hear Régine Crespin, a role that she sang not terribly frequently, but was extraordinarily well-suited to her gifts, voice, and temperament. Though we do not hear Ulysses in this excerpt, he is portrayed by the French-Canadian tenor Raoul Jobin. Meanwhile, Penelope's would-be suitors are played by Robert Massard as Eurymaque, Joseph Perron as Antinous, and Michel Amel as Léodès. The conductor is Désiré Émile Ingelbrecht, whom I presented a couple weeks ago on the Champ d'Auvergne episode. This is a scene in which Penelope expresses her unshakable belief that Ulysses will return, and she is mocked by her suitors 
Massard's Urimac in particular. This was a recording made for Radio France in the year 1956. Though he did not sing a great deal of new work, Robert Massard did sing in the world premieres of some significant works, including work by Henri Barraud, Emmanuel Bondeville, Henri Tomasi, Henri Busset, 
and perhaps most importantly, Darius Millot. He created the title role in Millot's operatic version of Christophe Colomb, because there's also a completely different version of incidental music to Paul Claudel's stage drama. But this is a quasi-operatic treatment, at least. It's almost a borderline oratorio. And this is a duet that we're going to hear between Christophe Colomb and the cook on his ship, portrayed by the French lyric tenor Jean Giraudot, who also, by the way, created a role in Poulenc's Les Mamelles de Thérésias. And the orchestra of Radio France is conducted by Manuel Rosenthal. Now we shall hear an excerpt from a real rarity, Ernest Reyer's Sigurd. Like Wagner's Ring, with which it is roughly contemporary, 
It is also based on the Nibelungenlied. But this musical language is much more that of César Franck than anything forward-looking like Wagner's. It is pure French grand opera. Reyer himself lived from 1823 to 1909, and though his opera was sketched out in approximately 1862, it did not receive its premiere until 1884, after Wagner's death. It's basically the story of Goethe Demerung, but with some significant changes in the plot. But we do have Sigur, who is Siegfried, of course, Günther, who is Gunther, Hagen, Brünnhild, and then there's Hilda, who is the Gutrune character, and various other parts as well. We're going to hear the scene in which Gunther reveals himself erroneously, and intentionally so, as the one who rescued Brynhilde from the Circle of Fire. She, believing him to be one and the same as Sigurd, who was her actual rescuer, throws herself into his arms, etc., as Brunhilde, in this recording, we hear the wonderful French soprano Andrea Guyot, whom I featured in a brief tribute when she died in February 2021. Her greatest claim to fame among those not in the know is that she is the Michaela on the Calas Carmen. And so this is a reunion of sorts between Massard, the Escamillo, and Guyot, the Michaela, although these two performed together very, very many times. This was a recording made for French radio in July 1973. It is significantly cut, but it is one of the more viable recordings of this rather unwieldy and sometimes rather repetitive opera. The conductor is, once again, Manuel Rosenthal. I do want to point out that this is one of Massard's later recordings, and you hear how his voice has filled out in heft and also gained a slightly darker quality, but it still has the incredible ease up top and the flexibility and thrust that it always had. Campagne féconde, que le grand fleuve germain baigne de ses eaux profondes. Tout est soumis à mon sceptre terrain. Tout est soumis à mon sceptre terrain. Je suis à toi, 
jamais vierge plus désirée n'a donné pour franchir le seuil joyeux. Now I'm going to play a very exciting excerpt from the dramatic climax of Édouard Lalo's opera Le Roi Dix. Certainly every lyric tenor knows something from this opera, namely the Obade, Venement ma bien-aimé, that has been a staple of the lyric tenor repertoire for eons now. <laughs> While it is an interesting story, I don't want to get in too deep to it because it's rather complicated. It's about two sisters, one good, one evil. They're both in love with the same guy who has disappeared in war, he unexpectedly returns from the war and lavishes his attention upon the younger sister, which sends the older, kind of mean sister, into a rage. She has already been betrothed to an enemy of the kingdom as a means of creating a manufactured peace between the two nations. She breaks off the engagement in a rage. He vows revenge upon the country, and then she, because she cannot bear to see the man she truly loves marrying her younger sister, offers her former fiancé the key to destroying the entire nation. That is, access to the dike, which, when the seawater is released, will flood and destroy the entire city. This is the climactic moment in the third act in which that sister, Margaret is confronted by her former fiancé, Karnak, who demands that she lead him to the dike. She, experiencing a moment of remorse, refuses to do so, but then he taunts her into a fit of jealousy, whereupon she does indeed lead him to the sluice gates, which, when loosened, will destroy the entire kingdom. All this takes place while we hear the chorus offstage intoning the words of the Te Deum as part of the wedding service between Rosanne, the younger sister, and Milio, the tenor hero. Once again, we hear an excerpt from a Radio France recording, also made in the year 1973. Of course, Robert Massard portrays Carnac, and Margaret is performed by the French Falcon soprano Jeanne Rode, who had a very brief tenure in New York in the early 60s, singing both Carmen and Zalome at the Met. Her renown in the United States did not really last, but she became a fixture on the French music scene and was an artist highly regarded for both her voice and even more so her dramatic commitment. The conductor here is Pierre Dervaux.
Sache faiblesse, ce palais est désert, accomplis ta promesse. Par ma main, cette ville maudite est disparue demain. Ta monarche faiblesse accomplit ta promesse. I know this is a super long program, but I can't help myself. I could not cut any more numbers out. I cut about three selections that just killed me. I have three more left, so bear with me. 
The first is an incredible rarity. Did you know that Berlioz was not the only French composer to write a Benvenuto Cellini opera? Well, in the year 1890, there appeared a work entitled Benvenuto by the composer Eugène Diaz, who also was active as a conductor and who today is only remembered for a single aria from that Benvenuto opera, an aria entitled De l'art splendeur immortel. It used to be a calling card for baritones back in the early years of the 20th century. By the time Massard recorded it under the baton of Jésus Echeverry in 1961, it was virtually forgotten. The opening recit is a little tacky, but once he gets into the hit tune, or former hit tune, I guess I should say, the piece really takes on a heroic quality. And, of course, this is exactly the sort of repertoire in which Massard excelled. Je t'appelle Courbé sous ta loi J'invoque pour moi Ta grâce éternelle Seigneur Seigneur Pitié Seigneur, pitié pour moi. One of Robert Massard's greatest and most remembered recordings is of the role of Atanael in Massenet's Thaïs, opposite René Doria. The final duet from that opera is one of my favorite pieces of music of all time. But you know what? I'm not going to play it today because there's also a fantastic and much more understated and, in its own quiet way, 
equally passionate duet between the stern monk Atanael and the courtesan Thais that takes place earlier in the third act. Atanael has put Thais through a punishing trek through the desert, and her body is failing, but her spirit has embraced his professed doctrine. This is a real turning point in their relationship. They have arrived at a convent where Thais will be given refuge, and Atanael, guilty over having put her through such an incredibly intense physical ordeal, goes to a spring of water and brings back something for her to drink. Baigne d'eau tes mains et tes lèvres. This is the most tender exchange between the two of them, in which they profess a kind of sacred devotion and dedication to each other. I'm not playing the famous recording with René Doria, but rather from a recording made again for Radio France, which features Albert Wolf conducting and as Thais, the then 25-year-old French lyric coloratura André Esposito, who is one of my very favorite singers. I am mad for the color of this voice, and even at this very young age, she displays such a profound musicality and already a very, very strong control of her instrument.
Robert Massard, over the course of his entire life, has always spoken his truth and lived his truth. He is a person of enormous integrity, as was revealed in the many interviews with him that I read and listened to in preparation for this episode. Perhaps the one moment that moved me the most was in a YouTube interview when he states that the one thing that saved him from all of the difficulties of a singing career is that he always retained his humility. I can think of no more beautiful way to live one's life. To be possessed of a talent so enormous and yet in humility to dedicate oneself to one's craft and one's artistry. And for all the power and majesty of this voice. What moves me most about Massard is the quality that we just heard in that duet from Thais. His ability to scale back and to express gentleness and intimacy in a way that is all the more moving because it is perhaps unexpected. For the concluding number, I have a little lullaby here from an operetta called Alemable Zabine, composed by Louis Bette, who lived from 1896 to 1953. He is the man who produced that legendary recording of Peleas et Mélisande during the war years, and at the time of his death, he had taken over the direction of the Opéra Comique. But he also wrote some amazingly charming music, including a number of operettas, among them this one, which was premiered in 1947. In this rare recording from the year 1960, Massard intones the beautiful words, Dans mes bras rêve d'espérance, ô mon enfant, ma sœur, ma fiancée, dors, dors, dors. I will bid farewell to you now, rather than at the end of the aria, so as not to break this beautiful mood. My dear friends, keep the song in your hearts. I'm Daniel Kuntlach. Comme la belle au bois dormant, je t'en prie, amour, fais semblant de céder au sommeil quand ma voix t'y invite. Au couplet, j'ajoute un couplet, tel jadis le prince inquiet de l'éveiller. See you.
Ma fille en 